0: This is the Heartland Community Church Podcast. We're starting a new series titled Life in a Dumpster Fire. This is part one with lead pastor Eric Park's message, The Problem with Joy. Life in a Dumpster Fire. I'm sure you're asking yourself, how in the world did this series come about? Well, I think for all of us, we can agree that this last season has felt a bit like a dumpster fire. Now, some of you may be asking, no, wait, wait a minute, can you define for me exactly what a dumpster fire is? You know, what do you mean by that? Well, I went to Urban Dictionary, and this is what D- Urban Dictionary says about a dumpster fire. It is defined as a colossal mess. So let me ask you, doesn't everything feel like a dumpster fire right now? Because I look around and it just seems like everything's up in the air, like somebody's taken a table and taken all of our game pieces and just thrown them up into the air. There's anxiety all over the place. People are on edge. People are getting sick. People are losing their jobs. There's so much uncertainty. It just feels to me like a hot mess. And if that's what a dumpster fire is defined as, then I think it's pretty safe to say that things feel like, A dumpster fire right now. You know, when you think about the world in which we live in, this dumpster fire, I think so many of us that are followers of Jesus, especially in these moments, we find ourselves asking kind of the same fundamental questions, right? Like when you lose your job or uncertainty comes your way or you get that diagnosis, that moment that puts you in the middle of a mess, Isn't it so natural for us to go, wait, why? Why why are we in the middle of this dumpster fire? Like, I love Jesus. I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to do all the right stuff. Why am I in the middle of a dumpster fire? Did I do something wrong? Did we mess up? And I need to say, before we dive into sort of addressing how do we exist in a dumpster fire, I need to start by saying, if you've asked yourself, Why is this happening? I just want you to know, one, you're in good company, because a lot of us are asking, why is this happening to me? second thing you need to know is that dumpster fires, they happen to Christians. They do. In fact, Jesus is kind of clear about this when in John chapter 16, he addresses dumpster fires. Now, he doesn't use that phrase, but this is what he says. He says, in this world, you... Follower of Jesus, you're going to have trouble. It's just part of life. There are moments when we find ourselves in the middle of a hot mess. But if you back up one chapter, look what Jesus says in John chapter 15 when he says, I've told you these things. Like I've taught you all of this stuff. I've taught you and told you these things so that even in the middle of a dumpster fire, my paraphrase, you can be filled with joy. Jesus is saying, look, in this dark world, you're gonna have dumpster fires. You're gonna find yourself in life in hot messes, but you can also have joy in the midst of a dumpster fire. So that's what we're gonna be looking at. Over the next four weeks, how do we find joy? How do we live life in the middle of a mess? in the middle of a dumpster fire. In the next four weeks we're gonna be grounded in a book in the New Testament called Philippians. Now, Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul and it really is his seminal work on joy. And I think it gives us so much context and content about what do we do as followers of Jesus when we find ourselves in the middle of a dumpster fire and how do we find that promise that Jesus says that we can have joy even when it's really messed up well, let me tell you a little bit about this about the backstory to Philippians because it's really important number one as I mentioned it was written by the apostle Paul and it was written to the church of Philippi around 62 AD. Now, this church, the church of Philippi, it was his first Jesus community that he started in Eastern Europe. And Philippi was this Roman colony. Uh, Lots and lots of ex-military generals, they lived in this particular city. Now, this is going to be important in just a minute. I'll get back to it in a moment. But because it was filled with all these Roman generals, lots of patriotism, like it was like rah, rah, Rome, rah, rah, Rome. And because of this, Paul and his followers, they faced fierce resistance because obviously they preached Jesus as the true king and Romans didn't like that. Now, add on top of that, that this, Paul, that this book was penned by Paul in his own dumpster fire. Now... Paul had been arrested in Jerusalem and he had been falsely accused. We know this. This is what Paul did. Got in trouble, got arrested. For two years, he was he endured in Caesarea trial after trial. And finally, he had had enough of it. And the apostle Paul said, listen, I want my trial, my case to be taken to Caesar. And he could do this because he was a Roman citizen. So Rome said, sure. Packed him up, put him on a ship. They shipped him from Jerusalem to Rome. He did have a shipwreck, so they had to send another ship. They picked him up. They got him to Rome finally, and there they put him into prison, Mamertine prison, where he was awaiting an outcome. One of two things, he was going to be executed or he was going to be set free. Either way, he didn't know what was about to happen to him. And this is what we could call Paul's personal dumpster fire stuck in a prison locked up right can you relate to being locked up and doing the same thing day after day can you relate having no idea how this is going to turn out can you relate dumpster fire and this is where paul writes this most important book in dumpster fire about how we can find joy in a dumpster fire. So, that's the backstory on the book. Let's do this for a second though. I want us to get on the same page about what joy is because if we're going to find joy in the middle of the dumpster fire, before we dive into the text, I wanna make sure we're on the same page when it comes to a definition about joy because if we're not on the same page on what joy is, has a, we have a really hard time finding joy right so I I like the way Dallas Willard puts it he's one of my favorite writers um, absolutely brilliant theologian philosopher he says this he says joy is not pleasure a mere sensation but it is now listen a pervasive and constant sense of well-being now think about that for a second joy is not just feeling happy in a moment Rather, joy is a pervasive and constant knowledge of well-being. Like, everything's going to be okay. Now, look at how Paul starts his letter. And tell me this doesn't sound a lot like joy when he says in Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work, right? He who started this thing, this God that loves me, this God who started this good thing, he's writing it from prison this god who started a good work in you he's going to bring it to completion and he's saying to the church of Philip, I listen you're under persecution you're in a dumpster fire i'm in a dumpster fire but listen it's going to be okay paul had this overwhelming and constant sense like hey man it's all good this is joy like in all things when we have a sense like, this is okay. It's gonna be okay. Now, it's not Pollyanna. It doesn't pretend like it's not a mess. He knew he was in prison. It just is this constant sense like, hey, this is gonna be okay. Like, you feel it. You know it. You believe it. You live it. So, that's what joy is. But let's talk for a second about an important fundamental piece of joy. I think one of the misnomers about joy, especially by some preachers like me, is we'll use words like, well, you just have to choose joy. You have to choose joy. Like, joy is this thing, like a can of peaches, that's sitting on the grocery store you know, shelves, and when you're not feeling good, you go to the grocery store, you pick up some joy, you pop it open, drink it, everything's fine. This isn't right. You actually don't choose joy. That's not how it works. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, no, wait a minute. Then, then, then how does this whole thing work? Look, Jesus promises joy, right? Paul found joy, a pervasive, constant sense of well-being in spite of being thrown in the middle of his own personal dumpster fire. How's he do it? Because it's not Choosing joy. But rather, Paul lays out Philippians Philippians chapter 1, that you don't choose joy, you choose the way of joy. See what I'm saying? You don't choose joy, but you choose the way of joy. Let me put it a different way. The great challenge in our life, Heartland, is to become the kind of person that in any situation, any dumpster fire, any good moment, any bad moment, that joy flows out of us. If you go to Galatians, you notice that the Apostle Paul writes about something called the fruit of the Spirit. And joy is the second thing listed. He doesn't list it as something you go consume. Rather, he lists it as something you produce. In other words, we can live such a way that we produce joy, that we become the kind of person that joy isn't situational, that we become the kind of person that joy naturally flows out of us, that we become the kind of person that produces the fruit of joy. This is a fundamental concept that if we don't grab onto, when we find ourselves in dumpster fires, the truth is, we'll wonder, like, is joy for me? Because I don't have it. You don't choose joy. You choose the way of joy. Now, to choose the way of joy means that you're going to have to let go of whatever way you've been pursuing to find happiness and joy. I was thinking about this. When I was a junior in high school, um, I moved to the state of Texas. And I've been playing baseball since I was like, kindergartner. Um, And I had been really good at baseball my whole life. My dad was a prospect, so he had me throwing a ball since the time I could barely walk. And I got to this Texas program who had been really successful. I remember walking on The diamond the very first day and Coach Lee Lanier, the coach, this ex-marine, probably 65 years old, smoked like two packs a day, didn't matter if it was 120 degrees out, that dude was smoking a cigarette. He had a very specific way and his way of baseball had produced multiple state championships, prospects into college. And as I walked on the field, I had a way too. Like I had grown up playing baseball. I knew how to play. I knew I was good. It was about six days into being on that team when Coach Lee Lanier, after a practice, called me into his office. He said, sit down, Eric. I sat across from him. This old, wrinkled, gruff, military baseball coach, I remember it like it was yesterday. He said, son... You're really good at baseball. You could be a really great asset to this team, but it's pretty clear to me that you have a specific way and you're gonna have to decide whether you're gonna play my way or you're gonna play your way. And make no mistake, son. My way produces state championships and quality baseball players. I can't speak for yours, but you can't do both. You know, I thought a lot about what it means to find joy, the way of joy. And as I thought about this reality, what I realized is that the way of joy will mean that you may have to release a way. the rest of the world has taught us brings about a constant and pervasive sense of well-being let me read to you what the Apostle Paul says because right here in chapter 1 he lays out a formula a formula for us one that remember who he was writing to and if there was ever a place that had a way it was Philippi because remember it was filled with what Roman ex-military people who had seen a way of living they're like this place this is the Roman way if you want to find success and happiness you do it our way this was a patriotic place like think of the most patriotic place you can in the United States and this was like 10x that and so when the Apostle Paul lays out a new way for joy he knew who he was talking to and he was saying you'll have to choose between that way and this way. What was the Roman way? It's the same way that every human way is, if you're honest with each other, right? Self-reliance, self-promotion, self-protection, and self-absorption. Honestly, isn't this the human way? Isn't this what we do in our pursuit of happiness? We think about relying on ourselves and pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and promoting ourselves and protecting ourselves and what we've built and being absorbed with number one. And the Apostle Paul takes this and he tears it apart. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up. Philippians chapter 1 starts in verse 16. says this. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with this full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live as Christ, to die, is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for it's far better. But to remain in the flesh is far necessary on your account. Convinced of this I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in faith. So that in me you may have ample cause for glory, Christ Jesus, because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, think about what I listed. What's the human way to find joy? Self-reliance. Now, look what the Apostle Paul says about self-reliance when you look at verse 19. He says, For I know that through your prayers and help, the Spirit of Jesus Christ will turn out for my deliverance. You notice, he doesn't say, based on what I know and my plan, I'm going to get out of this mess. He says, based on your prayer and Jesus' plan, that's it. He says, it's not really about self-reliance. It's really about faith and worship. This God who has a plan, like, he's going to figure it out. What does he say about self-promotion? In verse 20, he goes and says this. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. He doesn't promote himself. He doesn't say, you know... By getting thrown in this prison, I hope my ministry grows. I hope by being thrown in prison that you guys help me get my ministry off the ground. This is going to be about me. But rather, he says, no, 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 this is all for Jesus. It's not about self-promotion. It's about worship for him. What about self-protection? Well, he destroys that in verse 21 when he says, well, for me to live as Christ... And to die is gain. It's like, I'm not trying to protect me and my stuff and my life. He says, look, I have a constant sense of well-being. And then on self-absorption, he says this in verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Not about me, not about me, but about what you're doing and what he's done. See, what the Apostle Paul does is flip it upside down and say, listen, in the middle of my dumpster fire, I'm going to write you a letter that destroys the Roman way, the human way. I'm going to show you a way of joy. Put simply, I'm going to show you How you can produce joy. And if you take these four and you just boil it down into three words, it's really simple. It's all laid out in chapter one. If you want to practice the way of joy, it starts today with these three things. Number one, worship. How many times in chapter one does Paul acknowledge who Jesus is? How great he is, the plans that he has, thats all about him. It's all about worship. Second piece of the way of joy is thanksgiving. I mean, look at the very beginning of the letter. He gives thanks. Thanks to them. He's always grateful for what he has in the midst of a dumpster fire. He's grateful. And the last piece is generosity. Like he penned the letter, not asking for anything. This generous spirit The Apostle Paul lays out the way of joy simply around this idea of worship and thanksgiving and generosity. That the way of joy is about worship, acknowledging who Jesus is, being thankful in all things, and being grateful with what you have. This is the way of joy. And you know this way. When practiced, affects every single part of your life. It affects the way you eat and drink, the way you love, the way you laugh, the way you exercise, play, work, the way of joy, worship, thankfulness, gratefulness. These three things practiced day in and day out. Do you know what this begins to do? It begins to produce something in you begins to produce a sense of a constant sense of well-being how can it not when we're consistently pointing our eyes to who God is that he brings provision when we're consistently grateful for what is in our lives and when we're consistently gracious a generous spirit and all that we have and Heartland, I'm convinced of this, that in the middle of a dumpster fire, if you try to choose joy, you're just trying to chase a feeling. But when you choose the way of joy, you're picking a lifestyle. You're deciding, in all things, I will worship him, thank, be thankful to him, and be generous because of him. The way of joy it shapes who we are. It has the power to change us into people who produce joy, not people just seeking happiness. The way of joy, every day, being filled with thanksgiving and worship and generosity. Can you imagine? See, this is what the Apostle Paul lays out in chapter 1, is the way of joy, worship. Thankfulness, generosity. And this is why he says in Philippians 1.27, let the manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus. The Greek word for worthy is behave as citizens worthy. In other words, listen, the way of joy is about behavior. What happens when in the middle of a dumpster fire, you see people of faith who joy? emanates from them like a mighty rushing river. It speaks to the good news that in us we have joy produced, and it has nothing to do with our circumstances. That's the power of the gospel, and this is the way of joy. And so this is my challenge. One. I wanna challenge everybody who's tuned in to do four things this week. Number one, I want you to read all of Philippians one. Just read it. Maybe you read it every day. But then, I want you to practice the way of joy this week. I know you don't feel like it, especially if you've been chasing joy your whole life. It's not easy. But I want you to practice one. Spending five minutes just worshiping God. I mean, you could go to listen to some of the worship music that we're putting out on Forest City Worship. You can go into the Instagram. It's at the bottom of the screen or go to our YouTube page. But five minutes where you just worship, you just say, God, you're good. You're good. In spite of everything, you're good. Then, then the third thing, I want you to find every day one thing to be thankful for. And then... I want you to practice generosity. That's it. Read Philippians. Spend this week worshiping God for who he is. Spend this week being grateful for what you have and what God's given you. And spend this week being generous. Generous with what you have. This is the way of joy, and I am convinced that if we begin to practice the way of joy, we will begin to produce the fruit of joy in our lives. Now, let me say this, for those of you that are tuning in, some of you may, this might be the first time you've ever really heard much about Jesus. Maybe somebody invited you to the stream or you're just watching on your own, and I want you to know it all begins and ends with the person of Jesus. The way of joy begins and it ends in Jesus. And so if you don't know him, like you can. It's really simple. John three, sixteen says God loves you. It acknowledges the reality that every single one of us were not perfect. And yet in the middle of our mess, God sent his son to die for our sins. And if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Romans ten, nine says like we can. We can be with him because it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, Ephesians 2.8 tells us. And so I wanna invite you, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then if you wanna experience joy in a dumpster fire, I think it's a pretty good place to start. Let me pray. God, for all my friends, I pray that you would help us understand the message and practice the way of joy this week that you would help us engage in a lifestyle of worship for who you are, thanksgiving for what we have, and generosity in what we have. That as we practice the way of joy, God, help us see how this way produces fruit of joy in us. And for those that may have never accepted you, I pray right now, you give a sense of peace as they confess with their mouth their sins and you as Savior. We'll give you glory for all that you're doing in the midst of a very messy world. We need you more now than we ever have. In Jesus' name, Amen. You've been listening to part one of the Life in a Dumpster Fire series with lead pastor Eric Parks. You can experience the entire service this message came from by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page or go to our YouTube channel at Heartland CC Rockford. You can also watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening.